What am I willing to do to go get it? I push things aside just to go get it. I know my role and I play my position. You talking too much. Please learn how to listen. I never give up. I'm not quitting. Welcome back to the YI Network, where we interview every job occupation, A through Z, from the trash man to the CEO, and ask them why and how they started their profession so that you can find your dream job, too. I'm your host, Kojo Thompson, and today we have a very special guest with us. It is Evan Walker. Now, Evan is a La Jolla, California attorney who has practiced law since 2008. And he's worked for and defended insurance companies during the first seven years of his practice. Since 2015, he has represented people with personal injury and property damage claims and insurance disputes. So Evan has a lot to share with us here today. So Evan, shall I proceed? Yes, indeed. All right, Evan, how are we feeling today? I'm great. How are you, Kojo? Man, Evan, I am chilling as usual. And Evan, I am real, real, real excited to dive right into these questions because I think a lot of people want to know why, Evan. Why did you become an attorney? I became an attorney because an advisor at college recommended it to me. Mm. I was a philosophy major. And I was about to graduate and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I went and spoke with my academic advisor and he made an offhand comment and said, had you ever thought about going to law school? Mm. And I hadn't, but it made perfect sense. It was the proverbial light bulb going off in my head. So Mm. that's what started me down this road. Oh man. And Evan, please. And I, I, I love this right here. But Evan, I want you to break it down just a little bit for me. So take me back right now. You are seasoned. You're on top of the game right now, Evan. But take me back to back when you were at the bottom of the totem pole, back to day one, step one, and how you got to where you are today. Take me through the process. Okay, so the process was like this. I graduated college in 05. Again, month before I graduated, never even considered law school. Mm. Had the conversation with my advisor and decided to apply to law schools. And I replied to a number of them. I got into some and I wound up going to Loyola in New Orleans. I'm from a small town outside of New Orleans. Mm. and went to law school there from 05 to 08. A quick hiatus was that my first week of my first year of law school ended in New Orleans, ended on Friday, Hurricane Katrina was Monday. Mm. So I had to deal with that and wound up being a FEMA evacuee in Houston for a period of time. Mm. Anyway, got back to New Orleans, wound up graduating on time in 08. And then at that time around New Orleans, because of Hurricane Katrina, there was a lot of insurance litigation. And so I passed the bar in Louisiana, wound up working for a small insurance defense firm that were representing insurance companies in claims where people sued them about what was covered, what was not covered in relation to Hurricane Katrina. 
so I did that for a number of years. And then my wife wound up doing a medical residency at Yale. So I moved with her to Connecticut, took the Connecticut bar, passed it, and started working for a large insurance company defending personal injury lawsuits. Mm. And I did that for about four years. So at this point, I'm six or seven years practicing law just as a defense attorney. Mm. And then my wife wound up getting a job in San Diego. And so I went and took a third bar, the California mm. bar, and mm. passed that. Mm. And then I started looking for a job. But at, at that time, you know, I had six or seven years as a defense attorney, and I was just tired of doing it. Mm. I enjoyed being a lawyer, but I didn't like being a defense attorney. Mm. And so I wound up getting a job for a plaintiff attorney, and I worked for her for a month. Mm. And that gave me, again, another light bulb went off during that time. I realized that I could do what she was doing. Mm. And so I stopped working for her. And in October 2015, I opened up my own practice, which I still have today, doing mm. plaintiff work. Mm. I absolutely love that story right there, Evan, especially the fact, I mean, uh, there are a lot of lanes to go down by becoming attorney. It's not just a one one horse pony. So I absolutely love the breakdown right there. And Evan, I know I asked you to break it down for us a little bit, but what I'm going to do is ask you to just take it one step even further than that. I want to know what were some childhood hobbies and habits that you think matriculated into what you're doing today? Yeah, I would have to say the first thing that comes to mind is reading. Hmm. I've always been an avid reader. Even now, I read a lot. Of, if, I, if I even have any hobbies now, it would be just reading. And I've always been like that. Mm. And so I think that helped me going, you know, to do well enough in college where I could get into law school and then to, you know, get through law school and then, you know, take and pass three separate bars mm. and do the work that's required of an attorney you can't shy away from words. I mean, you have to, you have to be able to read occasionally an enormous amount of material and not just read it, but understand it. Mm. And so I think having that as a child helped me. And then also on a personal level, mm. my father was in the military as I grew up. So we moved all over the place. Mm. And I think is uh, when I listen to your question, that probably had some effect on me, meaning an ability uh, to be flexible, mm -hmm. right? And to kind of go with the flow. Like I said, I've moved, you know, to two different states mm -hmm. um, and wind up taking three different bars. And so mm -hmm. I think having a little bit of experience with that as a child helped mm -hmm. me kind of do that in my uh, professional career years later. Mm, I absolutely love that. Adapting to your environment is huge, huge. It sounds huge in your career. So I absolutely love that answer right there, Evan. Now, Evan, this is what I want. What is an average day like for you? Oh, average, <laughs> average day. Mm -hmm. So I think a, a good way for me to answer your question is to take a step back and to see how I plan for the week. Mm. So, um, your listeners may not like to hear this, but it's the truth. I work six days a week, mm. right? 
that's just it. And mm-hmm. so I usually start my week on Sundays. And what I do on Sundays is I plan out Monday through Friday. Because when you're doing this type of work, you can't, although a lot of attorneys do, you, you really can't operate like you're flying by the seat of your pants, mm. right? You, you want, especially if you're a plaintiff attorney and you're suing people and you, and you have these lawsuits and you're dealing with all these timelines, you have mm. to be in some level of control. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to drown. Mm. And so you have to take a step back. And you have to kind of plan accordingly and say, okay, this is what I need to get done. Because mm-hmm. trust me, if you don't do that, you're putting out fires all day long and you're never getting anything done. Oh, yeah. So what I do on Sunday, I look through all of my open cases and I see what's the priority. You know, what it, does paperwork need to be filed with the court? Do I have any court appearances? Do I have any depositions I need to prepare for? Do I have any time response, uh, time sensitive documents I need to address? Do I have any client meetings? Mm. And then once I have that planned out, I will usually restrict one day to one case Mm. because that's enough. And so Mm. I'll block out several hours of time where I'll just work on that particular case. Mm. And generally speaking, that would be you know, filing documents with the court, uh, talking uh, or returning calls to opposing counsel, to doctors, to Mm. experts, to my clients, responding to emails, responding to letters, reviewing documents, doing research, Mm. uh, perhaps as a deposition that week. So taking the deposition, preparing for the deposition, summarizing the deposition, um, you know, and then that's generally speaking, kind of how it goes up. One way, I mean, one way to look at it is it's a lot of getting back to what we said before. It's a lot of reading, you know, Mm. digesting all the material that's relevant to the case. Mm -hmm. And it's also a lot of communicating. You have Mm. to be a very, not very, you should be a very good communicator, but you have to learn to communicate and persuade all types of people from all different types of walks of life. And so that's part of what I do, too. The only kind of gloss I'll add to that is if we're getting close to trial, which I, which I am now mm. in a couple of cases, it's, it's all hands on deck and it's, you're dealing with experts, you're dealing with uh, trial preparation exhibits all day long. Mm. I absolutely love that answer right there, Evan. And again, I could not have answered that question any better than that. I don't know how many uh, attorneys I've had on the podcast so far, but the number one thing that I hear from all of my attorneys is the number one thing you should know how to do is read. So I absolutely love that answer right there. And now I have to ask you, what do you enjoy the most? What do I enjoy the most? If I'm being honest, I like to win. Mm. I mean, what, but hear me out. What, what we're dealing with here in litigation, it's a zero sum game, mm. meaning one side wins and one side loses. Mm. That's, that's what this is. And you can't be, you shouldn't misunderstand that. I mean, that's kind of what we're, we're dealing with here when you're dealing with litigation. Mm. So, you know, and I'm not always talking about a trial win or the money or this and that. I mean, you may want to win in the sense that you have a, you get a good um, concession from a defense expert in a deposition or you mm. win some motion before the court or something like this. Right. Mm. You want to 
have more wins than losses in your case. Mm. Um, so that's that's important. Uh, what's oh, and then also why that's important is because on this side of litigation, you work on contingency. Mm. So if you're not winning, you're not getting paid. Mm. That's the reality of it. Mm. The other thing to keep in mind is when you're doing plaintiff type work, what's meaningful, uh, leaving all the all that other business aside that we just discussed, we just discussed is that mm-hmm. not in every instance, but in some instance, you can make a good impact in someone's life. Mm. For example, you could, you know, obtain a certain amount of money that can be life changing for a person. Mm-hmm. You can bring, uh, you can bring hope out of a tragic situation by getting closure, mm-hmm. by getting, you know, an acknowledgement from the other side that, yeah, they did something wrong. I mean, one of my cases, uh, we were able to resolve the case for a certain amount of money. But one of the things that really, uh, I think, made a difference, mm. very, very tough case and very tragic what happened to my client was the defendant uh, hand wrote a note of apology mm. to my client. And that made a real difference. So at that point, it wasn't about the money. Yeah. It was just about a recognition that what this person did to him was wrong. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that right there, Evan. But of course, the back end of that question is, what do you enjoy the least? What do I don't like about it? Um, It can't, well, a couple of things come to mind. One is getting back to this contingency piece. Mm. That's difficult. Mm. I mean, it's difficult to, all I do is, is plaintiff work. And so everything is contingency based. And so if your listeners don't know what that means is if the client doesn't get paid, I don't get paid. Mm -hmm. So when you're running a business, you have your business expenses. And then when you're dealing with litigation, you just have litigation expenses litigation is expensive Mm. you have to deal with experts you know with records with court costs with deposition costs and that's very stressful dealing with all of those costs and trying to balance those plates in the air Mm. all the while dealing with a case that you're uncertain what's going to happen at the end of the day Mm. i mean you can you can guess and hedge your bets but litigation is inherently uncertain. So you just don't know how it's going to play out, Mm. which brings us back to what we discussed a minute ago, but you want to, in a long, uh, in a long view of it to notch up more wins than losses. Mm. And so that is just a difficult part. The Mm. other part that becomes difficult if you're not careful is it's adversarial. And so dealing with that day in and day out can become wearisome, Mm. right? When again, it's a zero sum game. And Mm. so if you're not prepared for that, or if you don't handle that in the best way you can, that could really bring somebody down. Mm. Mm -hmm. And man, Evan, you are breaking down the game for everybody who is trying to be everybody and anybody who's trying to be an attorney right now. You are giving them the whole game right now. So here's what I'm going to do, Evan. This right here is my absolute favorite question. And that is, do you think that grades mattered in school for the success that you have in your career today? 
Yes and no. Here's here's why I mean. It's a, it's a two-part answer. Mm. Yes, in this sense. Undergraduate, yes, because you, at least when I applied to law school, you have to, you know, have a high enough GPA where you can get into law school. Mm. I mean, law school is competitive. And mm-hmm. so your GPA at college is going to matter. Mm. And that also could help you with scholarships, um, you know, keeping the GPA up. So that's the yes part of your question. Mm-hmm. The no part of the question is this, and I'll be honest with, with you and your, your listeners. Mm-hmm. I had never made C's or D's before in my life when I went to law school mm-hmm. until I went to law school. Mm-hmm. My first two years, I didn't do very well at all for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my last and final year, I did, I did better, but I did not make good grades in law school relative to college. Mm. But I think at the end of the day, didn't matter. Mm. Really didn't matter. Mm. And I really, really, really appreciated that answer right there, Evan, because I know a lot of the listeners right now were listening to the first about half of that that interview. And you were you were talking about how you, you went from one state and you passed the bar. Then you went to another and you passed the bar. And then you went to your last and then you passed the bar. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, man, this guy must have been the, the smartest kid in his class. He must have been this, this and that. No, this guy fell and got back up just like everybody else. He had bad grades in college just like everybody else. Yet he still went out there and attacked and still went out there and got what he wanted. So I absolutely loved that answer right there, Evan. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to break down this next question just because this word gets tossed around a little willy nilly. And that is, what do you feel that your impact is? And when I say impact, I mean, what are you devoted to? What's your devotion? And I think you already answered it just a little bit up in that uh, when I asked you what you enjoyed the most when you were talking about uh, giving people hope and giving people, you know, that that chance to, uh, you know, uh, get over whatever they were uh, going through. So please just go ahead and touch on what you feel that your impact is. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we, 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 we touched on this a little bit earlier. I think the impact is, and this, this may surprise a lot of your listeners and just people in general, mm-hmm. most clients, most of my clients, you know, on the plaintiff side, they don't want to have to bring a lawsuit, mm. right? It's not this jackpot justice. You know, I fell at Walmart. I want a million dollars. You know, the McDonald's hot coffee burnt my, burnt my thigh. I want, you know, $75,000. Mm. That's not really what I see. Mm-hmm. People come to me because something wrong has happened in their life, mm-hmm. whether that's some type of traumatic injury or it's a catastrophic property damage loss. Mm-hmm. These people come because they're dealing with a problem you and I would not want to have at any point, mm-hmm. but they do mm-hmm. very often through no fault of their own. And it's not that they turn around and say, I want to sue and get a bunch of money and retire on it. Mm-hmm. What they say is, look, something bad has happened to me and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. The insurance company is not treating me right. Or, you know, the defendant is saying they're not you know, they're not going to pay my medical bills or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have a very honest discussion to say, look, it may be that litigation is the only step that you have. Mm. And so, you know, we go down that road and more often than not, 
the case is resolved in the client's favor. Mm-hmm. And so you you can't you can't take back what happened to the person. Mm-hmm. And you can't always make it whole, but mm. you can somewhat make it a little better. Mm. Uh, one of the ways you do that is like we said, just to be honest, it's money. Mm. Right? A lot of, cause, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is what the law provides when it comes to personal damages and even property damage. Mm-hmm. You don't have much else. You mm-hmm. can't undo the harm. You can't turn back the clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't take it back. So what's left? Mm. It's money. Mm. And so when you're able to give the clients that, that's been beneficial, what I've seen. And it's, it's changed some people's lives if they can be smart about how what they do with their money at that point. Mm. It's that. And it's also, as we talked about before, it's just closure. Mm. Right? It's not that people come and say, hey, I really want to do this. They're saying, I don't know what else to do. And I tell them, this may be your only um, your only way forward. Mm. And so once it's done, you know, most of my clients, they don't like the lawsuit. They don't like the stress. They don't mm-hmm. like the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. But then once you take this problem and you put it through this high powered press of mm. litigation, it comes out, mm. then you can get a certain amount of closure and mm. clients just say, thank God that's over with. And it's mm. done. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And Evan, you have been answering these questions absolutely perfectly all interview long, but we are down to that last question. And that is, if there was one, just one piece of advice for somebody out there listening right now who wants to be in the position that you're in today, what would that be? Pay off your loans. Unequivocally. We didn't speak on that the only reason or one of the main reasons let me be more precise that i was able to open my own practice Mm -hmm. was that during the six or seven years i worked as a defense attorney Mm. i came to an understanding with my wife that she would carry a lot of the household expenses so i could dedicate i think it was 80 to 85 percent of my income to Mm. pay the loans off Mm. and i did that over a couple of years we're talking six figures Mm. and so the ability to pay that off and get that proverbial monkey off my back mm-hmm. freed me up to do this. Mm. And so when I hear about um, other students or people going to, to law school and they're graduating you know, with 50, 75, 150, 175 in debt, mm. that's a real tough spot to be in. And, mm-hmm. I, and I come to it from my own experience. And mm-hmm. so my one takeaway advice is to say, if you want to get to the spot where you can kind of go out and hang your proverbial shingle mm. and run your practice, you have to take care of that debt. Mm. You don't want that hanging over your head. Mm. I love it. I love it. And again, Evan, I could not have asked for better answers from any other attorney today. That was an absolutely perfect interview but I need one thing, just one more thing before I leave. And that is something. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a website. I don't care if it's social media. I don't even care if it's a book, something that I can leave down in the link in the description below so that my audience can reach yours. Please shout out and promote it now. 
Sure. If anyone wants to contact me, as you said in the beginning, I'm in La Jolla, California, which is San Diego. You can go to my website, evanwalkerlaw.com, if anyone wants to reach out with any questions. Mm. And that is, again, is evanwalkerlaw.com. Please hit that link in the description below, folks. And again, I could not have asked for a better interview from anybody else today. Evan has been answering these questions perfectly all interview long, and we must thank him once again. Now, folks, as you know, there are three types of work, a job, a career, and a calling. Most people have a job. You're lucky if you find a career, but you are truly, truly blessed if you find your calling. And I really hope that me and Evan helped you find it here today, folks. That is a wrap.